Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you that we can be adopted in and counted righteous in Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you came not just to be a moral example, to be the perfect man, but to be the one atoning sacrifice. Thank you for your blood. Thank you that all the sacrifices of the Old Testament were pointing to the one final sacrifice. Thank you that there is no longer need for a physical altar of animals being poured out. Thank you that the curtain was torn from top to bottom. Thank you that you said it is finished, that we can always come with you as our mediator, and we give you glory. Thank you that you're here, and Lord, we just celebrate that we can know you. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name, amen. Please stand. <clears throat> So got this weight upon my chest and I can't stop forgetting my God that you've never left you right here with me Still I'm convinced you're hiding Oh God would you remind me that you're still just as good as when I met you. You're still just as kind. Don't let me forget that you're still the same God who led me through the fire. You're still the same God who separates the waters come to what only you can do God I need you you've done this before will you do it again as the waves are all around me it feels like I'm drowning my God we still reach down and give me your hand Cause even when I'm doubting Your love it still surrounds me oh, You're still just as good as when I met you You're still just as kind Don't let me forget that you 
you're still the same guy who led me through the fire. You're still the same guy that separates the waters. Come to what only you can do. God, I need you. I will build, and I will build an altar, and stack it stone by stone, cause every Ebenezer says I've never been alone, my faith will surely falter, but that don't change what you've done, is it every Ebenezer points to where my help comes from? Sing that again. And I will build an altar and stack it stone by stone. Is it every Ebenezer says I've never been alone? My faith will surely falter. But that don't change what you've done. Every Ebenezer points to where my help comes from. You're still just as good. You're still just as good as when I met you. You're still just as kind. Don't let me forget that you're still the same guy. Led me through the fire. You're still the same guy that separates the waters. Come to what only you can do. Come to, come to what only you can do. God, I need you. build and I will build an altar and stack it stone by stone as every Ebenezer says I've never been alone my faith will surely falter but that don't change what you've done cause every Ebenezer points to where my comes from every Ebenezer Cause every Ebenezer points to where my up comes from This is the story of the Son of God hanging on a cross from me but it ends with a bride and groom and a wedding by a glassy sea. Oh, death, where is your sting? Cause I'll be there singing holy, holy. is the story of a bride and a wife waiting on a wedding day. 
Anticipation welling up inside while the groom is crowned again. Oh, death, where is your sting? Cause we'll be there singing holy. thank you so much. What we sing is not myth. It is truth that you have spoken. Jesus died to save sinners. 
And because of what he has done, we will be able to stand with you in glory, robed in his righteousness, absolutely whole and sinless in your sight because of the transformation that you work by your Holy Spirit. Lord God, grant that as we look forward to that day, we would live as the people of God, devoted to you in love because of what you've done. We love you because you first loved us. And so we give you thanks and praise and we worship you with joy, surrendering our lives, asking you to have your way with us. We want your name to be hallowed. We want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done on earth, in our lives, even as it is in heaven. We thank you that we can yield ourselves to you without fear because you've proved your love. Now help us as we study your word to understand what your Holy Spirit is saying to us this day. Give us ears to hear your voice. Give us eyes to see the truth and give us hearts of faith that we might trust you fully. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We are continuing our study in the book of Genesis. We are in chapter 30 and beginning at verse 25. This is God's word. After Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me on my way so I can go back to my own homeland. Give me my wives and children for whom I have served you, and I will be on my way, for you know how much work I've done for you. But Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your eyes, please stay. I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. He added, Name your wages, and I will pay them. Jacob said to him, You know how I have worked for you and how your livestock has fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. But now, when may I do something for my own household? What shall I give you, he asked. Don't give me anything, Jacob replied. But if you will do this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark-colored lamb, and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages, and my honesty will testify for me in the future whenever you check on, my, on the wages you have paid me. Any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted or any lamb that is not dark colored will be considered stolen. Agreed, said Laban. Let it be as you have said. That same day he removed all the male goats that were streaked or spotted and all the speckled or spotted female goats 
all that had white on them, and all the dark-colored lambs, and he placed them in the care of his sons. Then he put a three-day journey between himself and Jacob, while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flocks. Jacob, however, took fresh-cut branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees, and made white strips on them by peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. Then he placed the peeled branches in all the watering troughs so that they would be directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink. When the flocks were in heat and came to drink, they made it in front of the branches, and they bore young that were streaked or speckled or spotted. Jacob set apart the young of the flock by themselves, but made the rest face the streaked and dark-colored animals that belonged to Laban. Thus he made separate flocks for himself and did not put them with Laban's animals. Whenever the stronger females were in heat, Jacob would place the branches in the troughs in front of the animals so they would mate near the branches. But if the animals were weak, he would not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban and the strong ones to Jacob. In this way, the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and maid servants and men servants and camels and donkeys. Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude toward him was not what it had been. And the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude toward me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said the speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. In breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats were mating The male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, or spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob. I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Then Rachel and Leah replied, Do we still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? Does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what was paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever God has told you. Then Jacob put his children and his wives on camels, and he drove all his livestock ahead of him along with all the goods he had accumulated in Padan Aram to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. When Laban had gone to shear his sheep, 
Rachel stole her father's household gods. Moreover, Jacob deceived Laban the Aramean by not telling him he was running away. So he fled with all he had, crossing the river, and he headed for the hill country of Gilead. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Okay, basic Bible question. Who is good? In the New Testament, a man came to Jesus and he said, good teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. I want you to write that down in your notes. Only God is good. In the truest sense of the word, only God fits that definition. There are people who are good people compared to other people. But compared to God, there is none who is good. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There are some people who are better swimmers than others. I am a lousy swimmer. I'm trying to remember now where, oh, one of the kids we sponsor overseas wrote to me and said, um, you know, there are people who work with them, give them suggestions as to what to ask their sponsors. And, and so this child wrote to me from Indonesia and said, do you like swimming? And I wrote back and I said, I am a very poor swimmer. I do enjoy getting in the water, and even that is stretching it. But I, I do, I love a good shower, but, um, but I'm just not a good swimmer. That is no secret to anyone who knows me. I'm not a good swimmer. Uh, I could tell stories about that, but I won't. Um, bottom line is, I'm a much better swimmer than some people who have never learned to swim. I, I can do better than that. I actually got the junior life-saving thing from the Red Cross, and that's just miraculous. But anyway, uh, I, I got the merit badge in Boy Scouts for doing what you have to do in order to get that. But I'm just telling you, that doesn't mean I'm a good swimmer. Because I compare myself not with kids who've never been in a pool, I compare myself with people who are actually good swimmers, okay? Like my wife, for instance. She's a good swimmer. But she's really not good compared to Michael Phelps, okay? Now, most of you kids have no idea who Michael Phelps is, but the adults will remember the Olympian, all right? Okay? Michael Phelps, brilliant Olympic gold medalist. Absolutely fabulous. Comparatively speaking, Michael Phelps, great swimmer. My wife, swimmer. Me, shouldn't get in the water. Okay? If the three of us went to the beach and headed out for England, we're going to try and swim from Amelia Island, Florida, to England. People could stand on the beach and watch me drown. 
You understand? My wife might make it far enough out there, because she's a very determined person. She might make it far enough out there that you wouldn't be sure exactly when she went under. Michael Phelps might make it across the horizon. The horizon is roughly 10 miles out. He might make it across the horizon. But Michael Phelps would drown. If the choices are England or drown, we'd all three drown. If you went up in a plane and looked with GPS type tracking at where did these people drown, as long as you got high enough, you would see basically we all drowned just off the coast of Florida. Okay, it would look like I was still on the shore, but anyway. Um, this is the way it is when we look at scripture, at the stories of these people. Some of these people are just scoundrels, horrible, evil people. Some of them are not terrible, just not real good. Esau, for instance. Not, not a great guy, but not really a terrible guy. Um, his brother Jacob is, you know, a deceitful fellow. Esau was irresponsible, despised his birthright. Shame on him. Jacob was a liar. In obedience to his mother, he flat out lied to his dad in order to get something for himself. That's worse in my book. But God went ahead and chose him before he was born and had done anything good or bad. Okay? But, but where's the good guy? When are we going to come to the good guy? Well, actually, he'll show up in the New Testament. The reason that Jesus said to the rich young ruler, why do you call me good, is because the rich young ruler didn't understand that Jesus is God. Only God is good. Jesus, it turns out, is God. So Jesus is good. Everybody else in this book is a mess. All of us. We've all sinned. And we need to be honest with ourselves and with others about the fact that we need a Savior. Amen? So, in this story, Jacob, who is in one sense our hero in the story, is a very flawed guy. Laban is worse. Laban is a total scoundrel. When Jacob says, I want to go home, I, I want to be able to start a new chapter in my life, I'm ready to go home, Laban says, if I've found favor in your eyes, please stay. I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. He added, name your wages and I'll pay them. Well, now, at this point, Jacob already knows he can't trust his father-in-law. Remember, his father-in-law is the one who stuck him with a wife he didn't want. Okay? Lied to him. Jacob was told, if you'll work for me seven years, then you can marry my daughter, Rachel. But when the seven years was up, he didn't get Rachel. And he had to work another seven years to be out of debt for what he'd already been promised if he worked seven years. So he works 14 years instead of seven 
to get the wife he wanted, and meanwhile he's picked up another wife along the way that he didn't want, and that creates all kinds of difficulty. But as we said last time, God actually used it for good. Doesn't mean what Laban did was good. It means God is good. And God uses all things done by all us messed up people in order to accomplish his purpose. God is that wise and that mighty. So Laban says, I've learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Is it true that Laban was blessed because of Jacob? Yes. Does that mean it's okay to use divination in order to try and find stuff out? No. Divination is a bad thing. It's going to get explicitly forbidden later on, but we should know that this is not a good thing he's doing. Does God ever use bad things people do in order to accomplish good? Oh, we just said that. That's what we started out talking about. So by divination, bad, I've learned that God has blessed me because of you. True. So name your wages and I'll pay them. Not true. Okay? As we read on, we find that ten times Laban changed his wages, and Jacob was counting. Wouldn't you? Can't trust this guy, but the guy keeps doing it to him. Keeps jerking him around. Lies and lies and lies. When Jacob says, okay, here's what we'll do. I get all the speckled and striped and spotted, and you get the others. The others were the primo at that point. He says, I'll take the ones that are dinged up, okay? The ones that don't look as good. The ones where the wool is not going to be one color pure. I'll take them. Layman says, well, that's fair. Okay, we'll agree. And then immediately tells his sons, take all the ones that are speckled, spotted, and striped and get out of here. Take them with you, okay? So he's just stolen what he agreed to give to Jacob. And he puts himself three days distance from where Jacob is tending his flocks. Imagine Jacob after you've made that deal, and it's like, okay, ladies, we're going to be here a while longer. I'm going to be working for your dad a while longer, but uh, the good news is from here on, all the speckled, spotted, and striped animals are going to belong to me. And then he goes out, and where are all the spotted, speckled, and striped animals? They all disappeared. It wasn't the rapture. It was his villainous, deceitful father-in-law who stole them and went three days' distance away. And, of course, involved his sons in the theft. So Jacob hatches a plan. Jacob decides... If an animal is looking at something while mating, that can change the outcome of what that thing looks like. They didn't know a lot about genetics back then. Okay? Now, they did know that if 
strong, healthy animals breed, you're more likely to have strong, healthy offspring. And so Jacob's trying to manipulate that, okay? But he also thinks that by, you know, carving up these branches of several different types of trees and putting them in front of the watering troughs, he can fix it so that the animals, the strong animals, mate looking at that, and that influences what kind of offspring they have. Okay? It's like people who used to think that if you read a book aloud while your child is in the womb, it would give your child a superior brain. It's not entirely accurate, let us say. Okay? Well, don't you think that children in the womb can be influenced? Yeah, but not their eye color, not their hair color, not how tall they're going to be, not those kinds of things. That stuff's genetic. You understand? And if you read to your child while they're in the womb, what they hear is just the sound and cadence of your voice, and that's good for them. But I guarantee you no child ever came out of the womb reciting, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Okay? It just doesn't happen. just doesn't happen. So, Jacob has this plan. He has a technique. He works this thing in order to try and get what he wants. And it works! Ha! Isn't that amazing? So does this mean you can do it? No. Do you remember the mandrakes? We're going to use mandrakes in order to try and increase fertility. Doesn't work. But God blessed them with children. Well, likewise, God blessed Jacob by causing the flocks to give birth to the ones that were supposed to be Jacob's. God did that. And eventually, Jacob gave credit to God. In verse 43 of chapter 30, it says, In this way the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks. How? Well, because God caused Jacob's plan to work. The weak animals went to Laban, the strong ones to Jacob. But here's what Jacob says in chapter 31. Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out of the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude toward me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. Verse 7, God has not allowed him to harm me. Verse 9, God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. I once had a dream, he says. Verse 10, in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flocks were streaked, speckled, or spotted. And the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted. Why? Because I have seen, God says, all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. God says, I've done this for you. 
And Jacob tells his wives, God did this for us. The reason that my plan worked is because of God. God gave me success. Folks, that is the key lesson of this whole speckled and spotted and striped thing. God's the one who's in charge. God is not only in charge of what kind of animals are going to be in the flock. God is in charge of you. You were designed by God. Oh, well, I, I wish I had straight hair instead of curly hair. You know, go talk to that person. They wish they had curly hair instead of straight hair. Really? Yeah. Or you could go talk to that person. They wish they had hair. You understand? God is the one who has numbered our days. He knows how long we're going to live. I was born with a bicuspid valve, the aortic valve in my heart, which is a very important valve. Instead of having three flaps, like a normal heart, just had two. Oh, any problem with that? Yeah, kind of. You know, if you put your finger over the end of a hose, you can increase the pressure coming out. Well, if you have a bicuspid valve instead of a tricuspid valve, it kind of puts a strain on the heart pumping the blood out because it's pushing it really hard, and that can balloon the aorta, which is the artery coming out of the top. What, what, what is the problem with that? Well, that balloon kind of gets weaker as it stretches, and as a result, as you get older, that balloon can pop. And what the doctor explained to me is, if that happens to you, it will be the worst pain of your life and the last pain of your life. Okay, You don't want that to happen. Some of us are old enough to remember an actor named John Ritter. Aortic aneurysm that tore. It burst. He died. Not a lot you can do for a person in that situation. You have to try and get it before it tears. Can anyone live if it tears? Yes, sometimes people survive long enough to have it fixed, etc. But, I mean, you know... Sometimes it snows in Miami. Understand? I didn't think it ever snowed in Miami. That's my point. Okay? Now, God gave me a bicuspid valve. Oh, did he not love you? Yeah, he loves me. He loves me so much he sent Jesus to die for me. But he also knew that part of my life story was going to be that I needed to get my valve replaced and my aneurysm repaired, and I would get to share with a bunch of people in the midst of all that. God designed you. If you don't like your hair color, take it up with God. Is that okay? Can you complain? Well, yes, he's not going to change your hair color. But 
you can be honest with God about the fact that you're not fond of it. But hopefully, eventually, you will discover that God did a good thing when he made you the way he did. I've shared before the story of Amy Carmichael, who as a little girl in Ireland longed to have blue eyes because that was what the pretty girls had. The boys liked the blue eyes of the Irish girls, and Amy's eyes were brown. <sighs> How disappointing. How could she possibly compete with the blue-eyed girls around her? But she read that we can pray, and God answers prayer. And so she prayed fervently as a young girl that God would change her eyes to blue. And having prayed with great faith as she went to bed that God would give her blue eyes, she got up in the morning and excitedly went to look in a mirror and see. And they were still brown. How disappointing. God had not answered her prayer. But you see, God knew that he was calling Amy to one day rescue little children in India from temple prostitution. And if she had blue eyes, she would be very conspicuous trying to go into the temple and bring the little girls out. Everyone would know that's not her little girl. But with brown eyes, Amy could pass. And she could go into the temple and steal the children who had been taken there to be used as prostitutes and bring them to a place where they could be taught about the love of God, given an education, and given safety and nutrition. Love. God gave Amy Carmichael brown eyes for a reason. God gave you your height, your eyes, your facial structure, your body type for a reason. Make the most of what God has given you, but realize that his plan is good. Speckled, spotted, striped, all from God, all good. So, when we look at this, we see the sovereignty of a God who graciously worked through the superstitious actions of his sinful, deceitful servant, Jacob, and rescued Jacob and his family from the deceitful, villainous behavior of his father-in-law. Now, before we leave it, we have to see that not only did he practice Laban, that is, practice divination, which is absolutely wrong, he also was an idolater. He believed in the Lord, but he had household gods, little idols. I remember one time calling on the parent of a child that we had in a Bible study, and uh, I was hoping to share the gospel with the mom, and she said, oh, I already have my own God. And I said, well, uh, tell me about your God. And she said, he's in the kitchen. 
And I said, really? And she led me into the kitchen and showed me her God, which was sitting on the counter. And I said, so this is a statue of your God? And she said, no, this is my God. She was totally serious, folks. This was not a failure to communicate because of language difficulties. This woman really believed her God was small enough to fit on the kitchen counter. And I know some people who the Bible says their God is their stomach. I know a lot of people seem to be religious about their food or other things. But I'll tell you this. If you worship anything other than God, the God who is God, you're an idolater. And Rachel had grown up, as had Leah, in a house where there was, an, there was a recognition that there is a God who is over all, but there are these other gods that are very handy. The Bible makes it very clear in 1 Corinthians 10 and elsewhere that an idol in and of itself is nothing. It's just a, just a material piece of stone, wood, whatever. Nothing in and of itself. No power. But there are demons behind the idol. That's what 1 Corinthians 10 says. There are demons that are attached to those inanimate objects. And that's why we're not to have anything to do with idolatry. God alone is worthy of our worship. And it does note in God's inspired word that Jacob deceived Laban the Aramean by not telling him he was running away. Well, we can understand why he would. Oh, yeah. But deceit is not the best path. And we're going to see that over and over and over and over, deceit brings a bitter harvest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are the truth. You have revealed yourself in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you that we can come to you and worship, knowing that you do not change and that your word is always true. Help us to rest with complete confidence in the authority of your word. And may we live in accordance with it through the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.